the cost of the cross. In seminary, I lived, uh, I was down on a hall, and the guy next to me, he, his name was Sean, he was from Ohio, and I found out, kind of early on, that he had converted from being Southern Baptist. And I was like, oh. And I was like, well, my, under- my sense is that Southern Baptists don't like Catholics, and so um, how does your family feel about that? And he said, well, every time I talk to my mom, she tells me she's praying for my conversion. <laughs> and our gospel, Jesus says, if anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, this is an example of Jesus using hyperbole. Because elsewhere, to put it into context, in Matthew 10, 37, he says, if anyone loves father or mother more than me, is not worthy of me. But he's trying to get their attention. Like, there's something serious here. There's something important here. That loving Jesus is more important than anything. That putting Christ at the center, that this, this relationship is primary. And our relationship with our, our family members and others, it's, it's secondary. And it's a choice that, that only I can make. That's great that my family is Catholic. Maybe, maybe mom is Catholic enough for the both of us, you know. Um, but I have to make my own choice. I, nobody, God, God is, a, is a gentleman. That he, he offers crosses, but he waits for us to receive that, to say yes. And, and I think of this. He says, basically, you, you cannot be my disciple. That you, you're not going to receive salvation. So I think of it, this one image, it's almost like the door to heaven, the, the pearly gates, are opened with a key that is the cross. And the cost of receiving the cross for you and I is everything. Or at least a willingness to give everything. I don't know if you ever play the card game Texas Hold'em. And I like to play cards, I like to play games. But the key, if you, in that game in particular, if you want to win, if you want to do well at all, you have to be willing to go all in. And that's what, it's, it's Texas, it's, it's no limit Texas Hold'em. That that's the key is that at some point, when the risk is right, you have to be willing to, to go all in. And so you sit there, and that, it doesn't mean that it's gonna cost you everything. Maybe, maybe you have more chips than the other person, and so it doesn't, it doesn't actually cost you anything, but you have to be willing to, to go all in. And so God, God may not ask us to pay the ultimate price, but I need to know for myself that I'm willing to give it. Does that make sense? God may not demand the ultimate price of me. Not demand. God may not ask or invite me to pay the ultimate price. But am I willing to do it? You know, we think about Christians of earlier ages, and actually Christians today and other parts of the world, 
that, you know, there's been six priests in Nigeria killed this year alone. It's like, wow. God may not ask me of that, add that to me, but am I, am I willing to, to do that? And, and I know in my, I've made a lot of little decisions along the way. I know I grew up in a, a life teen group, and they would say, like, if you want to make Jesus the center of your life this week, come up to the front and light a candle. And I remember being like 16 years old, and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Ugh, ugh. Jesus, the center of my life? I'm like, I don't know. I might, I might die this week at high school. <laughs> you know, like I, just, like, I don't know. But I, I remember that, that choice was like, you know what, Lord? Like, if you're worth dying for, then you must also be worth living for. And, and I walked up to the front of the room, and I lit that candle. And it meant something for me. God didn't demand my life that week, but... But in my heart, I was like, Lord, I give you everything. That you're more important than anything. When I went to seminary and, and even, you know, becoming a priest, I was like, all right, Lord, you know, my, my dad wanted me to keep working for a few years and save money. Um, my siblings think I should go get married. I said, but I'm going to go to seminary and I'm going to put my family behind me and put you first. And, and I thought, like, okay, then... You know, they're going to send me to some foreign country and whatever, and I'm never going to see my family again. And my mom said to me, even after I moved to Flagstaff, she said, uh, Father Matt, actually, she, when I first got ordained, she's like, hey, Matt, I mean, Father Matt, Father Matt. I was like, Mom, if anybody can call me Matt, it's you, right? She said, you know, since you moved to Flagstaff, I see you more. Because now I make it, I'm intentional every week to go see my parents. And apparently I wasn't doing that when I lived in the valley, you know? Like, <laughs> and so even though I was willing to pay the ultimate price, I, I didn't have to. And that actually being willing to do that, I, I, it's, it's an incredible blessing. It's, a, it's incredibly freeing. When, when COVID hit, the cost of leaving our homes meant I could get sick. Now, there's a benefit to going out, but, but there was also a risk. And I was really inspired by so many people who said to me, Father Matt, you know, I, I could get sick by leaving my home and, and going to Mass or going anywhere, but I need Jesus more than I need my health. That Jesus is more important. My, my faith, my spiritual salvation is more important than anything else. And I was really, I was really touched by that. And, and the truth is that that everything involves a risk. That they, these people were willing to get sick or die or I don't know what, like out of love for God. But there, there's a risk in everything. I mean, I, I risk slipping and hitting my head every time I take a shower. But I think smelling clean and fresh is is worth it. I think you know there's there's a risk in walking across the street. There's a the greatest risk of your day probably was driving here, if you drove here. Like, there's risks in everything. But the question is, is it worth it? And by being here today, you're saying, this is worth it. It's worth coming here versus anything else. That Jesus, who risked, not just risked, but gave everything out of love for me, that me living for and with him is worth anything. That when it comes to my salvation, 
that nothing compares to that. I was talking to a young lady at our carne asada event this week, and she came, and uh, she wasn't Catholic. I, be, I think I met her one other time, and we, were, we started talking, and she has, she has a beautiful, strong Christian faith. And what she, I was really impressed with her courage, because what she did was, recently she reached out to the dean of students, and she said, I want to know that as a Christian, there's a place for me here on this campus. Because as I walk around campus, I see posters and agendas and offices and all sorts of things for all sorts of other things. I want to know that I have a place here. And I really just affirmed her courage for willingness to stand out. But by the time we finished our conversation, she said the most helpful thing of talking to me was when I reminded her, I said, just a perspective piece as you go and have that conversation, um, is that our salvation, our happiness, is not based on the policies of this university. My, my eternal happiness is not based on what political party is in office, or whether the government is in line with my beliefs. That my salvation comes from Jesus Christ. And Jesus says in John 15, 20, no slave is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And so as you go and have that conversation, I invite you to be charitable and patient and understanding. I said, but don't, don't expect that, that that's going to match your faith. That we can almost expect the opposite. And we shouldn't be surprised by that, because that's not where my salvation... My salvation doesn't come from making the world as I would have it be. But my salvation comes by surrendering to Christ so that he can make me as he would have me. Which is a daily choice. That the tool the Lord uses to mold me is a cross. But I have to bring him, I have to be willing to offer him that tool and give him permission to keep working on me. That's the choice we have, to embrace our cross. And, and the world's not going to understand. The world may not get it. This, this past 4th of July, I was in town. Usually I'm not here in July, as some of you may know. Um, and I heard that the students of San Francisco Day C School were going to walk in the parade. The parade, it, it's a big deal um, here. And I heard that, and I was like, well, I want to walk in the parade. I'll walk with you. You know, Father Will's out of town. I'll walk with you. And you know, maybe, maybe that might be some good publicity for the Catholic faith, you know, like just some public witness. And so when the, um, two of the other priests, when they heard that I was going to do it, they said, yeah, we'll get in there too. And the seminarians were here, so they hopped in. So there's like five of us in clerics, like walking with the school kids and all this stuff. And, and, and it was right after the Supreme Court came out with Roe v. Wade reversal. And I was like, I don't, I'm like, this is, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. This is like walking around with a big target when I walk around with clerics, you know. And, and there were a few people that, there, I, you know, a couple people yelled. And I was like, oh, I look over and they had t-shirts that, that had, you know, bands off our bodies. And they're like trying to get my attention. And I just thought of Madagascar. I was like, smile and wave, boys. Just smile and wave. Just, just keep, just nothing but charity here. And, well, about a week later, I got a note and uh, it said, Dear Father Matt, I really respect and love you, but I was very disappointed to see you marching in the parade with the Democrats. Um, 
you know that they support abortion. And I was like, what? Um, so I picked up the phone and I called this person and I said, I'm, what, what, what did you see? Like, and she said, yeah, I just, you were, you were right there. You, it turns out there was a democratic float ahead of us and a democratic float behind us. And apparently our signs were pretty small. But in that, in that, in that time, I just, I felt really misunderstood. And I was kind of like, ouch. And then I remembered, like, Jesus was misunderstood. And there's a lot of people in our culture that misunderstand Catholics. It's like the, the quote from Archbishop Fulton Sheen. There are, there are hundreds of people who hate what the Catholic Church teaches, and there's millions who hate what they think the Catholic Church teaches. I, I think people misunderstand how we love both the unborn child and his or her mother. I think people misunderstand when they say, you know, uh, the church hates me because of my sexuality. I was like, no, no, no. The, the word Catholic means universal, that these doors are open for everybody. But, but when we respond to Jesus, what does he say? He says, you, we have to love him, not just more than our family, but even more than our own sexuality. That the center of my life and how I define myself for any of us, cannot be my sexuality. It has to be Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Otherwise, we, we walk away thirsty and angry. And am I, am I willing to do that? Am I willing to put Christ in the center? Am I willing to, to walk around this campus where people recognize and know that I'm a Catholic and they misunderstand me without ever talking to me. But here's the beautiful thing when you and I embrace the cross. That whenever we say yes to the cross, who is on the cross but Jesus? That our yes and our, our drawing near to the cross is actually an invitation to draw near to Jesus. The one who holds nothing back for our good. The one who wants to give us salvation and is willing to risk everything. The one who shows us the trick, the key to getting into heaven with the cross. I was speaking to a, last story here, I was speaking to a woman this week. She's going to come speak at Newman Night in a few months. and um, She has dedicated her life to serving Christ and the poor. And as we finished our conversation, I just said to her, I said, I just want to thank you for your service. I thank you for the generous way that you live your faith as a, as a lay woman, as a consecrated virgin. I said, it's just such an inspiration, and I, I just am so grateful for you. And she said very simply, Father Matt, what else is there? What else is more important than putting Christ at the center? What else is more important than living for God above all things. That there's nothing more important. You know, I could, I could kind of take it easy and sit around the pool and sip martinis, but I, I actually don't want to. I want to live my life in a meaningful way. I want, I want to live my life in a way that demonstrates that my, my life has value and what I do with it and what I prioritize. It makes a difference, not just in my life, but in the world. And so Jesus, once again today, invites us to say yes to the cross. That there we find Jesus, 
full of love with us every step of the way. It's like St. Paul says today that this slave had come to him and he was inviting the slave to go back to surrender himself to the community so that he would be received not as a slave, but as a brother. And that when you and I, when we freely surrender and submit ourselves to the tool of the cross that God wants to use, what we find is that we're not slaves. We are sons and daughters. And that we have a brother, Jesus Christ, who's going to be right with us every step of the way. That the paradox is when you and I, when we're willing to pay the, the cost of the cross with everything that I have, we actually receive something or someone more valuable.